at times our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Words of Albert Schweitzer. These opening words welcome all who have gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our service. Welcome to the regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors with us today, and also to those who are listening to our podcast or watching it on YouTube later. For those who don't know me, my name is Michael Allured and my home congregation is Golders Green Unitarians. If you're here for the first time today, we're especially glad to have you with us. Welcome. I hope that you find something of what you need in our gathering this morning. Please do hang on around afterwards for a chat or send a message to say hello and introduce yourself if you would like to. Or you might try coming to one of the small group gatherings during the week to get to know Kensington Unitarians better. As always, feel free to do what you need to be comfortable during this hour. It's lovely to see your faces and to get a sense of our togetherness as a congregation. But we know that sometimes it can feel more comfortable to have our cameras off and that is fine. Similarly, there'll be opportunities to join in as we go along, although there's no compulsion to do so. This morning's service invites us to reflect on how we are sometimes fragile and at other times strong. And sometimes we are both in the same moment. So before we go further, I shall light our chalice as we always do whenever we gather. The lighting of the chalice, this simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which our gathering this morning is part. Our chalice 
is lit. We are gathered. In the spirit of gratitude for the precious life that we have been given and the relationships that we share. We are grateful. We gather as a microcosm of humankind in celebration of the spirit of life and the potential of humanity in both its strength and its fragility. Let us take now those joys and concerns, spoken and unspoken, into an extended time for prayer. You might want to adjust your position for comfort, close your eyes, soften your gaze. There might be a posture that helps you feel more prayerful, whatever works for you. Do what you need to get into the right state of body and mind so that we are fully present here and now. Share this sacred time in this sacred online space. God of our hearts, spirit of universal life, we gather together in our desire to make sense of our lives and the smallness of our doings in the vast universe beyond time and space. May we bring our minds and hearts to a state of quietness in the still of the moment to dwell among the thoughts and feelings that shape our hearts and minds. Knowing that we are unique dots in a cosmos who share so much with each other across all life and generations through time. May we honour the possibilities and grace of our strength and be grateful for the gentleness that all our fragility makes possible. In these troubled and uncertain times, may our hearts be tender and our courage be strong. Spirit of the universe, whether we are like fragile flowers or have the strength of an oak tree, may we endure with the frost and the rain, the burning sun 
as we seek warmth to melt the frost and cool rain to soothe the harshness of relentless heat. Among the weeds which grow around us, the sunshine and rain, heat and frost affect us. These are life's experiences, welcome and unwelcome, given to us. May our strength and fragility encourage us to gather and learn from our experiences that we may survive enriched and reach out once again to a bruised and aching world. May we remind ourselves of all our experiences so similar and yet not the same. Let us try to understand each other by understanding not only our own selves and our vulnerability, but the vulnerability of those we meet along life's road. We gather for this to be a time of inner renewal, a time for giving thanks, a time for remembering, a time to ask the universe and each other to live with generosity, not fear, gratitude, as well as gentleness, courage, as well as compassion. May we come to know how to be with each other and the great cosmos of which we are part more deeply, more thoroughly, more wisely. Amen. And now, dear friends, it's time to sing our first hymn, one of my favourites, Do You Hear, performed by the Unitarian Music Society. The words will be on screen so that if you want to sing along, you're able to, or you might just prefer to listen. We'll do our best to make sure that you're kept safely muted so you can sing away should you wish.
Do you hear? Do you hear? Sometimes hearing is hard. We listen, but we may not hear. And so let us come to our time for being still. Our time for sitting quietly, our time for meditation, our time for listening. For listening to the stillness and the silence. We know so well our own needs. We know that we need understanding, affection and recognition. Why is it then that so often we hesitate to extend these precious gifts to others? cost of a kind word is small. The moment that it takes to listen could hardly be better used. A gesture of forgiveness can mark a new beginning. An embrace or a note of appreciation can convey crucial encouragement and comfort and yet so often we fail even within our own families to live by the sacred command that we should love one another let us be still and listen and that will be followed by a few minutes of gentle music from Abby and Rachel. O spirit of life, spirit of love, hold us in our strength and in our fragility. We pray for humility and understanding. 
that we may always stand ready to hear and see, to begin anew. Amen.
Blue Boat Home, one of my favourite songs. In our troubled world, strength and fragility are all around us. Families escaping the horrors of war, strangers on our streets who struggle to feed their families and heat their homes. Some, of course, have no home at all. There are times when we are fragile and we need to be strong. And we find that strength from somewhere. And then there are times when we have to do what we have to do and go beyond the reserves of our strength to do that. In 1974, I was 10 and I spent six months going in and out of hospital with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Maggie, the lady who looked after me while my mother went to work, came to be with me every day in Bart's hospital. She'd just turned 81. Looking back now, I can only imagine the physical and mental cost to her. She made the journey by bus daily and stayed with me from 10 a.m. until 7 p.m., comforting me, knowing secretly that I might die. However tired and worried she might have been, she was always there. And the tiredness and anxiety never showed itself to me. Through sheer willpower, she kept going. It was only after I came home and when she was visiting her family that Maggie allowed her exhaustion to show. And that she gave into it. I thought about that as I followed the progress of postings on Unitarian Facebook of a friend as she charted her five-week recovery from a major operation after being diagnosed with stage four cancer. Her humour, warmth and talent the human observation and sense of the ridiculous show us such strength and fragility existing alongside each other in the human heart. I once saw a documentary about a family who, into which sex tuplets had been prematurely born. We watched the parents trying to keep their lives together as two of the babies died and four were fighting for life. One of the surviving children might have suffered some brain damage and another was being fed through a tube and would have to have an operation when she was a, a bit older. 
We were drawn into the daily routines of washing, feeding, changing the babies. When the parents left hospital, they took only two of the babies home initially and took turns to visit the other two. One more came home from hospital and then the fourth tiny bundle. They were all so fragile. I wondered how any of them survived. The parents were asked whether looking after four tiny fragile fighters as well as an older daughter had put a strain on their relationship. I expected the reply to be along the lines of yes, but it made it stronger. The answer was more interesting, however. Both parents agreed the experiences of the last six months had come near to destroying it. And they were rebuilding their partnership. At the end of the programme, they were very much together, but we were left hoping that everything would turn out all right in the end. At the same time, that we wondered whether the parents' relationship would in fact survive. We can indeed be strong and fragile at the same time. Indeed, in life, we can be made strong by our fragility. Perhaps at least one of the lessons we might take from the political dramas of what we are seeing today is that and that have been playing out this week before our, our eyes as we look on with a range of emotions. Some of us will be familiar with Karen Armstrong's book, 12 Steps to a Compassionate Life. The path towards understanding what compassion is and how to practice it is all about depending on each other and deepening the awareness of our own strength and fragility. Here is what Karen had to say about fear. We often attack others for precisely those qualities that we most dislike in others. This can lead us to project our own less than admirable traits onto other people. When the Crusaders slaughtered the Muslims, they claimed that Islam was a violent religion of the sword, a fantasy with little basis in fact, but which reflected buried anxiety and guilt about their own behavior. Jesus had after all told his followers to love their enemies, not eliminate them. Their distorted view of Muslims was a compensation for their own feelings of inferiority, perhaps. 
in their mingled fear, resentment and envy, medieval Christians projected doubts about their own identity onto their Muslim foe. Islam has become the shadow self of Europe, a confused image of everything the Crusaders believed they were not, but feared that they were. This is, is this what is happening at an individual level? Fear can sometimes give us strength, but it comes because we are fragile. The parents of the sextuplets loved each other and they loved their family, but they irritated each other too because life and tiredness got in the way. They were in pain because they had four tiny babies instead of six, and they were frightened. They were afraid that something might happen to, the, to another of their babies. Dad seemed to be the kind of person to go with the flow relaxed, easygoing. This was the way he got through his anxiety. Mum dealt with it by running life out of necessity, like a military operation. Were both of these parents united in the love they felt for their children getting on each other's nerves because they wanted the other person to cope with the anxiety, the pain, the suffering in the same way they did. We are not alive enough perhaps to the fragility of others. Are we fully conscious of our own fragility even? and how it makes us behave. A story which Karen Armstrong tells us, shows us why. A woman was diagnosed with cancer and the hardest thing of all was her friend's relentless insistence that she adopt a positive attitude. They refused to let her discuss her fears. They could not listen perhaps because of the fears that they had about their own mortality. As long as we close our minds to pain, the pain that passes upon us on all sides, Karen writes, we remain imprisoned in delusion because this artificial existence bears no relation to reality. It is also futile because suffering is inescapable and will always break through our carefully constructed defenses. So Karen writes, is part of the reason for gathering here then in Unitarian communities because 
we have a need to come to terms with our own suffering. We don't have all of the answers. We may never have them. What is important is that we reflect and think about ourselves, the world and our place in it. The ultimate human experience is surely to see if we can and be embraced by the essence, the essence of someone else's experience, to walk with the person and to stand in her shoes and even for a moment to become her. The way to a fuller life is surely to hold on to that concept of standing in another's shoes. If only our experience and our knowledge could be broader than they are. But how do we make the leap? Karen Armstrong's answer is imagination. She writes that imagination is crucial to the compassionate life. With imagination, the suffering we have experienced in our own life can help us to appreciate the depths of other people's unhappiness. The ancient Greeks, she tells us, were masters of this. Each year, on the festival of Dionysus, the god of transforma transformation, the leading playwrights of Athens presented tragic trilogies in a drama competition. The plays usually dramatized one of the old myths to reflect the problems of the city in the present day. The event was both a spiritual experience and a civic meditation, which compelled the audience to empathize with women and men struggling with impossible decisions and facing up to the disastrous consequences sometimes of their actions. The Greeks came to plays in order to weep together, convinced that the sharing of grief strengthened the bond of citizenship and reminded members of the audience that they were not alone in their personal sorrow. Suffering in our strength and fragility, the ancient Greeks taught us, is built not only on human experience, but is indispensable to our quest for wisdom. The trilogy Oristia depicts a seemingly unstoppable cycle of revenge and killing. The chorus remind the audience that suffering was part of life but it was also the path to true wisdom. 
when reason failed, it was still, so the Greeks showed us, still possible to learn from our pain. Oedipus is renowned for his wisdom, but proves to be fatally and tragically ignorant when he discovers that he has murdered his father and married his mother, he takes on a vulnerability not seen before. When he meets his weeping daughters, he forgets his own distress in concern for theirs. The chorus made its own journey from initially one of horror at Oedipus's predicament to a place where they learn to appreciate the depth of his grief. Karen Armstrong tells us that as revulsion gives way to affection, the chorus shows the audience how to react to Oedipus's tragedy. The strong among us have weaknesses and the weak among us have strengths. We have the capacity to hurt as well as to heal, to show anger as well as affection. We are all the cracked pot in the old story, the story of the cracked pot through which one side of the garden is watered because of the crack. And because of the crack, the flowers grow. According to an article by Lionel Shrivener in The Guardian some time ago, authenticity or authenticity, we res respond with tender human feel for error. I beg your pardon, aesthetically, we respond to the tender human feel of error. We must surely then, my friends, try to cultivate that spirit all day and every day in our own relationships, because in the words of Leonard Cohen in his song, Anthem, there is a crack in everything. And that's how the light gets in. Amen. And now, my friends, I forgot to share the reading I'd chosen today because my papers had uh, got 
slightly out of order. So I'm going to share it with you now. And it's called, it's from a book called The Spirituality of Imperfection, Storytelling and the Search for Meaning. Learning how to live with other human beings is one of the grand classic problems of human being. Most of us tolerate each other by identifying with the seeking out those with whom we share strengths most of the time. We ignore or avoid those whose strong points are not ours. Thus, when we join groups, we usually do so on the basis of shared strengths. Those who enjoy competing in sports seek out other sports enthusiasts. Professors are more comfortable with other academics. Coin and stamp collectors automate buffs, art appreciation connoisseurs, all look for and socialize with those whose interests and skills make possible shared enthusiasms. But Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step groups are most healing and most healthy, not on the basis of common strengths, but in the very reality of their shared weaknesses. Among those who accept their imperfection, there seems to be a special sense of likeness or oneness in their very mutual flawedness. In torn to pieces hood, somehow shared, in such a context of shared weakness, qualities in other people that, that might in different circumstances irritate or anger, instead elicit compassion and identification. Shared weakness, the shared honesty of mutual vulnerability, openly acknowledged. That's where we connect, at the most fundamental level of our humanness. It is our weakness that makes us alike. It is our strengths that make us different. Acknowledging shared weaknesses thus creates a rooted connectedness, a sense of common beginnings. We will grow in our different directions with our different strengths, but our roots remain in the same soil as everyone else's the earthly humus of our own imperfection. And so let us again quote Leonard Cohen's words. Everyone, everything has a crack in it. And that's where the light gets in. And so with that, friends, let us sing our closing hymn, One More Step Along the World I Go.
so for our closing benediction friends words that were created by Golders Green Unitarians, which I share with you today. In the name of us all, let there be peace and love among us. May the skies be clear and may the streets be safe. In the name of us all, let there be peace and love and understanding. Amen. Mm -hmm.